Good morning. I was waiting on the hour to be upon us. I missed you last Sunday. Where were you? I was here at 1030, and I was all alone. I did come down to check on things. Uh, it was so cold, and uh, we hate doing that. But I, I was pleasantly surprised that the word got out as it should have. One, common sense prevailed, and two, you saw it on the three sources, heard it on the phone or saw it on the other two sources that we place it on. Uh, just a reminder, remember during the week, we follow the Henrico County School System's closing schedule. Uh, I called my first service people on Wednesday to remind them not to come uh, because of that, but uh, I like for, it, that does not apply on the weekend because we ran into a situation last weekend where uh, activities in the schools in Henrico County were canceled over the weekend. Ignore that, okay? It's only during the week that that applies, and that really applies to Wednesday primarily. So uh, just want to, you know, just a good way to remind you that that's what we do. Um, but on the weekend, you will he see it on Channel 12 where they misspelled Atlee Road. Uh, that was not me. Please don't hold me accountable for that. That was the news people not knowing Mechanicsville. Um, and the reason I do that is you all are aware that there's a Mechanicsville Baptist Church in Louisa County. And so if we don't designate which one, it can be confusing to people uh, because we have the same media sources. So there, the computer, and the phone system. So that's how you can find out if we're closed. Let's hope that's the end of that, and we won't have to do that again this, this year. But um, anyway, it's good to see you here. Uh, this does not affect what we do in terms of our January Bible study, Malachi. It just adds a week, tucks a week on to the end of what we're doing. So it will all work out as it should. Uh, but welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And if you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. There is a tear-off on our bulletin. If you would take time to fill that out, we would be grateful. And we would have a record of your attendance and know better how to serve you. Also, uh, we gave Dwight the week off last Sunday. But that last Sunday was Dwight Hedges' first Sunday with us. And so he is here today with his family in the second service. They were in the first service today. So Dwight, stand. Let them see you. Uh, you've met him before, but this is Dwight. Um, we both agreed that I would give him a couple of weeks learning curve so he could see how we do what we do uh, before I put him here to do what uh, is normal what uh, our youth pastor does on Sunday morning. So wanted to make you aware of uh, Dwight's presence and his family, and we're grateful to have them uh, with us today and in the days to come. The uh, opportunities of the week are listed in the bulletin. You will see the schedule is full for today. Deacons meeting is the only anomaly. We meet once a quarter. They will meet at 6.30. Uh, deacons meeting at 6.30. Uh, also on Tuesday, the worship team will meet at 6.15. On Wednesday, if all goes as planned, we will have our Bible study and prayer at 11. And the Wednesday night suppers will start again, soup and sandwiches, uh, followed by a business meeting at 6.15. It is our regularly scheduled quarterly business meeting, and you see the other activities. And then on Thursday, the endowment fund team will meet uh, as well. The women's Bible, there is a women's Bible study to begin on Thursday night. January the 26th, it will begin here at the church and then will continue each week at the home of Lisa Garitti. The name of the study is Jonah, A Life Interrupted. 
And uh, if you are interested in that, please give Judy Culver a call because she is uh, heading that up and she asked me to make that announcement uh, this morning for you. The building is substantially completed uh, over here. Uh, the contractor said in our Wednesday meeting that the building should be uh, all but completed on Wednesday, barring weather circumstances. There are a couple of issues left to tend to, uh, very minor things. If you want to see what the fascia will look like on the outside, if you didn't go on the upper side of the building, you can see what that looks like and the uh, far side is, is, is done in terms of the cap on the top as well, and it evens it out. But you can see what that looks like uh, after the service if you choose to do so. The wires that are running out through the fascia will be for new LED lighting that will shine into the parking lot. This morning I uh, surprised them in the first service when we were doing the greeting by turning the LED lights on in the Family Life Center, and uh, Keith Harmon told me it about gave him a seizure. It happened so fast for him. Uh, they are very bright, and um, they can be adjusted uh, up or down. But uh, anyway, so we are working to that conclusion, and if all goes as planned, everyone should be back in their Sunday school classes, their regular Sunday school classes, next Sunday. We're cleaning carpets, waxing the main floor this week, um, doing some things like that. Daycare will move next weekend back into... Um, the facility over there. So, uh, yes, we're, we're about there, and we're grateful to see this come to a conclusion. So just wanted to bring you up to date on that because we hadn't met in a while. And, of course, the weather last week did affect them somewhat um, in getting things up and running. So uh, we look forward to the time when that is completely completed, if that is a way to say that. But I'm grateful that you've come today to be a part of this service. And now let us worship God.
Shall we pray? Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And how grateful we are to come together in this house of worship. To worship you in sincerity and in truth. Recognizing your sovereignty over us. Recognizing your unchanging love. Draw near to us as we seek to draw near to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 208 as we stand together and sing Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. hymnal and turn to responsive reading number 711. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Let's turn to hymn number 330 and stand and sing with with a thankful heart about God's amazing grace, 330.
Let's go to God in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have come to bless us in this place of worship here this morning, bringing our hearts and our love that you have taught us, that you show and share with each and every one of us. Now is our time and opportunity to show that love back to your storehouse. Bless these gifts and tithes as we take our offering this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray this prayer. Amen.
Miss McCube. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, Lord, as we come before you on this day, we are grateful for the power of your love to lift us up and to show us the way. We're thankful, Father, for the constancy of your love and for your unchanging nature. We pray, Father, that as we gather today, that we might listen for a word from you. We are grateful, Father, for every opportunity to open your word. For in your word is the truth. And that truth sets us free. Encourages us. Admonishes us. And leads us. We pray, Father, for each person present this morning, whatever their needs may be. For family members who are ill, we pray. For our church family that is facing surgeries and other struggles, we lift them before you and pray, Father, that you will bless their circumstances and bring healing to their bodies. We are grateful, Father, for the power of your love to set those who are grieving free from the grief that has the tendency to paralyze us and keep us, Father, from seeing the light. We pray, Father, for your comfort and encouragement. We are thankful for our missionaries, for their work around the world and even here locally. Help us, Father, to ever keep them before you and before our minds and hearts as we pray on their behalf. We also pray, Father, that we might be burdened to be missionaries even here in Mechanicsville as we reach out to help others. And to show others the light of Jesus Christ through our actions and through our words. We thank you, Father, for the ministries and work of this church. And we thank you, Father, for Dwight and his family as they uh, come to lead our youth program. And in so many other ways in our congregation. We pray for our youth, Father, that are away this morning on retreat We pray that you will keep them safe and that they will learn and grow as a result of being together and listening for a word from you. We pray for their safe return tomorrow. Bless us, Father, as we open your words, your word in a few moments and listen for a word from you. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Today we begin a study of the book of Malachi that will take us through the next several Sundays. Uh, we do this once a year in conjunction with Lifeway's January Bible study because uh, I find that the intense study of one book is beneficial to me as I study it, but also very helpful for us to constantly return to a theme as it plays out uh, in particular books of the Scripture. Uh, We will look at uh, several passages today as I introduce this, Just, um, but we will be more concentrated in some of these areas as the weeks progress. So let me be clear about that from the start. I told him in the first service, normally uh, my sermons are uh, 18 font, 7 pages. This one's 18 font, 10 pages, so settle back, okay? It won't take that long, but I told him that because I kept watching my watch because I usually time things out, but I'm going to give it all to you. You weren't here last week, so there's no excuse. See, I have 30 minutes in the bank, okay, but it won't be that long. Malachi chapter 2, verse 2. We'll begin at the reading at verse 1. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. And then verse 2. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. Many today walk half-heartedly with the Lord. Malachi calls us to wholehearted faithfulness in response to who God is And what he has done. The people to whom Malachi spoke had allowed apathy to replace their zeal for the Lord. They had rebuilt the temple and restored temple worship. But Isaiah's Isaiah's promised world dominion had not occurred. Poverty had set in. Disappointment prevailed. The Persians still ruled. Malachi knew life's ultimate questions had spiritual answers, not political ones. He challenged their spiritual complacency. He challenged them, first of all, if we go to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, to return to God, to repent. When Malachi referenced the fact that only God's unchanging nature kept the people from being destroyed, he called them descendants of Jacob. We read in verse 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, In what way shall we return? Malachi's calling the people by the name of their forefather Jacob reminded them of their roots. Jacob swindled people. His very name meant heel grabber, subplanner, and therefore deceiver. And so God was calling them back to the reality of where they had come from. Using Jacob's name reminded the nation that like their scheming ancestor, Israel did not deserve God's grace. They never had a covenant. They had not broken They violated the Ten Commandments before Moses could get the stones on which they were written down the mountain to deliver to the people. 
They did not deserve God's grace. But that is what grace is. An unmerited gift. God God gave that grace to the returned Israelites by not destroying them. And He has given us that grace today through the Lord Jesus. God by His very nature and His love for His people did not destroy them. And that was the greatest blessing they could have. And yet, like so many, we scale our blessings, don't we? What has God done for me lately? What God has done for each of us lately is He has provided for us through His grace a Savior. God does not change. It's essential for us to know that because we live in a world of flux and change, don't we? That's what what life is about. Life changes. We don't like it, but we deal with it. A few months ago... We had transferred some old VHS tapes to DVDs. And we started looking at some of them. And we found one, if you can believe this, when Janet and I were in Florida at her parents' house planning our wedding almost 30 years ago now. And I was 24 years old. And when I looked at that, I became somewhat depressed and said, Turn that off. I don't even know who that person is. We change, but God doesn't change. Malachi proclaimed, he accused the people of chronic backsliding. And the Old Testament reflects just that. Like you and like me, they could not rely on their goodness, but only on God's mercy. They failed God repeatedly by their disobedience, but he never failed them. We also fail God by our disobedience, but he never fails us. Although Israel had a long history of rebellion, God offered a way back. Return to me. The word rendered return often described repentance in the Old Testament. Repentance takes place when a person travels away from God, then makes a U-turn and comes back to God. God is like the father of the prodigal in Jesus' parable of Luke chapter 15. The prodigal came to himself, got up, and returned to find his father waiting for him in the same way God waited for the Israelites to come back to him. The book of James states the pledge of God this way. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The unmerited grace of our Lord can hardly be believed in our work your way to the top world. We like to think we earn the good things that happen to us, even salvation. The truth, none of us is righteous enough to go to heaven on his or her own. We need to repent and return to him. And when we do, we find him with waiting open arms. When Michigan played Wisconsin in basketball early in the season in 1989... Michigan's Rumiel Robinson stepped to the foul line for two shots late in the fourth quarter. His team trailed by one point. So Robinson could regain the lead for Michigan if he made the free throws. He missed both shots, allowing Wisconsin to upset favored Michigan. 
Robinson felt awful about costing his team the game. But his sorrow did not stop at the emotional level. After each practice for the rest of the season, Robinson shot 100 extra foul shots. Thus, Robinson was ready when he stepped to the foul line to shoot two shots with three seconds left in overtime in the national championship game. Swish went the first shot. Swish went the second. Those shots won Michigan the national championship. Robinson's repentance had been genuine, and sorrow motivated him to work so that he would never make that mistake again. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow leads to repentance. There was a little boy where I used to pastor, and he was bright, a bright young boy, and he learned uh, his states and state capitals the same way I did. And I'm not saying that I'm bright, okay, but this is the way I learned them, with a puzzle. I would put the United States puzzle together, and in the process you'd learn where the states were, and you'd learn what their capitals were. Well, one day, in, in a, he threw a little fit with his mother, and she told us about this later. And he threw a piece of the puzzle at her. And she grabbed him up and said, You say you're sorry. He said, I'm sorry. She said, you don't even know what you're sorry for. He said, I'm sorry I threw Carson City at you. (laughs) See, there's a difference about being sorry and knowing what you're sorry for. But then the question comes, if God says return to me and I will return to you, why return to God? Because God still loves us. Verse 2 of chapter 1 of Malachi makes that clear. I have loved you, says the Lord. Malachi began his prophecy in verse 2 with the reminder, I have loved you. Hosea, the first minor prophet in the Bible, majored on God's redeeming love. Then Malachi, the last of the writing prophets, openly stated God's love for his people. In doing so, he reaffirmed what Moses had clearly taught in Deuteronomy. Love is the foundation from which all true Christianity flows. Out of a heart of love, God created us. He did not need us. However, love desires to share itself. So he crafted us from the dust of the earth. God fashioned us to share his great love with us. He sustains us for the same reason. He calls us to receive his son and live with him for eternity. Why? It's simple. Because he loves us. John understood it, didn't he? In John 3.16, For God so loved the world. Not only because he loves us, but also in verse 6 of chapter 3, because God is faithful. Malachi began with God's love. God's love came freely and without cost. But once received, God had some expectations. What did that mean for the Israelites? It certainly meant at the very least that they respect the name of the Lord and give him proper reverence by the way they lived. Malachi taught us, I, God, have not changed with the result that you have not been destroyed. The Israelites had changed. They had brought sick and lame animals for sacrifice. They had dishonored God. 
And with their attitudes in worship, they had irreverenced him. Some men had broken covenants with their wives. Many had disobeyed God's commands and married pagans. They had taken advantage of and oppressed the poor of the land and foreigners. They had practiced sorcery, adultery, and lying. Behind all these evils lay the fact they had no reverence or fear of God. They had broken their covenant with Him. They did not acknowledge God's presence in their lives. And when people do that and when societies do that, trouble ensues. And that's why Malachi stepped on the scene. If they had acted this way with the king with whom they were bound in covenant, that king would have destroyed them. God however, kept true to his promises. He kept his part of the covenant, whether or not they kept theirs. The love of God outweighs the judgment of God. Malachi made it clear God had not changed, and because of that, they had not been destroyed. God had promised them, I will be the same until your old age, and I will bear you up when you turn gray. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will bear and save you, Isaiah 46, 4. They deserve judgment, but they received compassion. God is faithful. But how can we return to God? The first thing we must come to terms with is this understanding of the fear. Of God. And fear is probably not a good translation for us today because fear conjures up different meanings than I think what we're trying to get here. It's this holy reverence of God, it's recognizing that there is one who is stronger and mightier than we are, one who we owe everything to. In Malachi 1.14, the Lord gave his indictment against people who brought defective animals for sacrifice when they have con- could have done better. He said in verse 14, they are cursed. This is the second of seven references in Malachi to cursed. He used the word three more times against the priest. The basic causes for the people's bringing curses upon themselves were actions or attitudes that defame the Lord and those that deny the ethical, godly lifestyle He had given them. You see, we really curse ourselves when we make poor choices. God created us with such a love that He gives us choices. And the only way we can make the right choices is to stay close to Him. Return to me, He said. God is a great king and his name is to be feared among the nations. As a great king, God deserves our best, the best respect, the best obedience, and the best offerings. One day, he will receive those from the nations because the scripture is very clear, isn't it? One day, the nations will bow. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess who Jesus truly is. Keep holy things holy, he says. Give honor to God's name. Malachi accused the priests of despising God's name. They asked, how have you despised? How have we despised your name? Malachi answered by presenting defiled food on my altar. They retorted, how have we defiled you? And Malachi delivered the blow when you say the Lord's table is contemptible. 
God's priests, the ones who served at the temple, the ones closest physically to the sacred things, had failed in their most central task, that of honoring God. And if God's leaders failed, the people certainly would follow. In chapter 2, he speaks of worshiping with sincerity. To the Hebrews, the heart denoted the command center of a person's life where knowledge accrued, where decisions formed, and where plans determined the directions of life. Malachi warned the priest to respond to the Lord by repentance, specifically by treating his worship with holiness and by giving the Lord the honor he deserves. If we spent more time honoring the Lord than honoring ourselves, we would understand the power of God's love to transform who we are. He speaks of valuing the marriage partnership. In Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 16, God accused the men of Israel of breaking faith with him. He had earlier spoken of how the priest had gone astray. A degraded priesthood produced a corrupt people. The people wondered why God wouldn't accept their offerings. God answered them through Malachi that they had broken covenant with others and with their wives. Their broken relationships profaned the temple and broke their union with God. They should have recognized that the face God turned toward them mirrored the face they had turned toward others. You see, Jesus understood that, didn't he, when he said, You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And with all you you are, really. And when you do that, then you'll love your neighbor. You'll love your neighbor as you love yourself. Treat others with integrity. In addition to the shortcomings of the priests, the Lord specified others against sorcerers and adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the widow and the fatherless and cheat the wage earner, and against those who deny justice to the foreigner. A pure relationship with the Lord will reflect itself in loving what He loves and hating what He hates. He loves to help those truly in need. We see that in the life of Jesus, don't we? Jesus went where the needs were. And sometimes the need came to him, didn't it? All of the sinners God will judge are included in the category of they do not fear me. Lack of godly fear of the Lord may be the number one sin in our land. It is the sin behind so many other sins. Because the returned captives and their offspring did not fear the Lord, it opened them to a multitude of other sins. Lying, cheating on their spouses, and mistreating widows, orphans, workers, and foreigners. Like the cars of a train follow the engine, these sins follow a lack of godly fear. Thankfully, the New Testament teaches such were some of you. Jesus can change people. With the help of the Lord, liars can become truth-tellers. Dealers in pornography can become advocates for purity. Materialists can learn to help their fellow human beings. And bigots can grow to love every person God has created. The power of the gospel breaks the power of sin. And Malachi was preparing the hearts of the people for what God could do if they would come back to him. 
Also in chapter 3, he speaks of offering tithes. We'll do that one a little later too. But Malachi answered the question of how the Israelites could return in a surprising way. Until now, he had talked about their defrauding God in his proper worship, of their granting God his proper fear and respect, and of their not treating others in a way that reflected their Creator. He had said nothing about withholding tithes and offerings. But now Malachi let them have it with both barrels. He accused them of robbing God. Will a man rob God? You are robbing me he says all because they did not acknowledge the power of God in their lives I see that all the time and so do you people live as though this is where they'll be forever they treat people as if It doesn't matter because I'm trying to get to where I'm going. Well, let me tell you where you're going. You're going to a place that's prepared for people who do not fear the Lord. Fellowship with other believers is essential. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Just as the scoffers met together to criticize the Lord and to castigate those things that are holy, so the righteous also banded together to talk about God's goodness, His mercy and faithfulness. Matthew Henry could have written for our day when he wrote 300 years ago, when profaneness had come to so great a height as to trample upon all that is sacred, then those that feared the Lord spoke often to one another. He also said, the worse others are, the better we should be. When vice is daring, let not virtue be sneaking. Just as God hears what bad people say, so he also hears what good people say. And then he speaks of looking for the Lord's return in chapters 3 and 4. Moses, the chief lawgiver, and Elijah, the chief prophet, appeared together in the closing verses of the last book of the Old Testament. On the Mount of Transfiguration, they appeared again to talk with Jesus of his coming cross. Some believe that Moses and Elijah will appear once more as the two unnamed witnesses at the end times in Revelation chapter 11. The naming of the two combined the law and the prophets. The last of the Old Testament writers concluded by advising God's people to remember the first of the Old Testament writers. The two penmen of Scripture, though they lived hundreds of years apart, concurred and supported one another, being guided by the Spirit. Malachi calls us to fear the Lord. To listen to what the Lord has to say. In the United States, businesses use millions of wood pallets each year to haul products. After a pallet has borne heavy, sometimes crushing weights and taken abuse from truck travel and forklifts, eventually it can no longer be used. Now cracked and smashed or loose and floppy, pallets are something businesses must pay other companies to dispose of. Disposal companies usually burn the pallets, chew them into wood chips, or dump them in landfills. One nonprofit company in New York had a better idea. Big City Forest in South Bronx takes other companies' junk and turns it into treasure. The raw material of pallets is valuable hardwoods like rosewood, cherry, oak, mahogany, and maple. Big City Forest workers dismantle the pallets, salvage the usable wood, and recycle it into furniture, and flooring. 
Recycled wood chips are worth far less a ton than when used as flooring. The value of the recycled wood when it becomes furniture is worth so much more. If that is what can be done with lifeless wood, how much more can people be restored to lives of value? Like big city forests, God is in the business of restoration. He takes people that seem worthless, people broken by the weight of sin, and transform them into works of beauty and usefulness, but they must acknowledge Him. After Malachi, the people no longer had the prophets, but they had the scriptures of the old covenant. Since God was as good as His word, they had enough to stay in close communion to Him. But they had to listen to what he had to say. They couldn't ignore the warnings that Malachi was giving to them. This past Thursday, Janet cooked something that uh, had come to us as a Christmas present. Uh, There's a company called Blue Apron that will send three meals out a week to your house. They send you all the materials for the meal in a box. And I was so happened to be at home when they delivered it. And it, it came in a, a white van. So they put this on the uh, porch. And it had the chicken and the burger and the shrimp. All you needed to make three separate meals. And it was cold packed. Okay, so don't think I, I wouldn't be standing before you if it wasn't, I expect. But it was cold packed. So we had two meals last weekend, you know, when the weather was what it was, and we had saved one for Thursday, and it was a hamburger with guacamole sauce. Guacamole burger is what it was called. I said, well, I'll try anything. So anyway, Janet pan-fried them, something we rarely do, if ever, with hamburger. usually cook it on the grill. But we weren't going to cook on the grill with the way it was last week, you know. So, of course, Thursday was a pretty good day. But she did, and about the time I was upstairs doing something, and about the time she called me to come down the steps that it was ready, the smoke detectors went off. My house was built in 2011, and the code was such that I have 10 smoke detectors in my house. Ten. Eight upstairs, one on the main floor, and one in the basement. So if I burn up, it's my own fault, okay? They went off. It put everybody in a panic. We knew what was going on. We knew why it had gone off, but what we didn't know how to do was to stop the alarm from sounding. So like a person in 2017, I got out the cell phone and Googled how to stop your alarm. And the only thing I could come up with was, all right, you're going to have to throw the breaker to the whole house and then go individually and pull every battery out of every smoke detector. So that's what I did. And the alarm stopped. But in the meantime, the dogs had gone completely insane. But so had Courtney. And I found them sitting in the car in the garage to get away from the noise. Now, I knew why those alarms had sounded. And I did something to stop the alarm. But the point I'm making is, when God sounds the alarm, do we take similar action? Do we do what is necessary 
to do what is right in his sight and return to him. I look forward to what Malachi can do for us as he opens our eyes to the ways of the Lord. Shall we pray? Gracious Lord, we are grateful for the power of your word. For the hope that it instills in our lives that we know that you do not change. We change. But as we change, Father, help us always to make our way to you. For you have reached out to us. May we follow your lead in all of life's paths. So that we know. That we're standing with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 285. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Malachi gives us a path to follow. The question is, are we willing to go? The invitation is open to anyone who had received Christ as Savior and returned to him. But whatever your need may be, as we stand and sing hymn number 285. Heather Dillow comes this morning, wishing to unite with this fellowship of believers. She's been singing in the choir. She sung uh, during the Christmas season as well. Uh, She is coming from a sister congregation in Halifax County, Revelation Baptist Church, by transfer of letter. And so what is the pleasure of the congregation? I know you want to uh, affirm this by saying amen. Amen. And so we're grateful to have you. Will you mind staying here and let the folks greet you? Learn who you are. And uh, I told her I'd get her a card to fill out, so... Debbie would have the information she needed so on that. So we're grateful that she's come this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, it seems like a long time when you miss like that. And then we had Christmas, New Year's, missed a Sunday, and it's already the 15th of January. So um, I'm grateful that we have this time together each week. Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious Lord, as we depart on this day that you've given to us, we do so with the full expectation that you walk with us because your unchanging love is forever strong. Help us, Father, as we reach out into the world in which we live and work to share with others this great love that is ours through Jesus Christ. As we leave today, Father, we do so 
with the full expectation that we can be a blessing to others because of the blessing you are to us. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.